0: the subject this morning is the faithfulness of the Lord. All of us at some point in life have been let down. You've been let down by people who you barely know and you've been let down by people who are likely the closest to you. Wives have let down their husbands. Husbands have let down their wives. Children have let down their parents and parents have let down their children. It's just the nature of humanity. We are all flawed, and none of us are perfectly faithful in everything. However, the Lord is. We have a Lord, our God, who is wholly faithful. It is one of his characteristics that makes him God, that he cannot lie, that he cannot not keep his word that if the Lord says it will be, it will be. When the Lord promises to do something, it is as if it is already done because he alone is wholly faithful. The last 10 chapters of Genesis has been building to this moment. We have seen highs in the life of Abraham and Sarah and we have seen lows, We have seen the judgment of God. We have seen disobedience. We have seen repeatedly though throughout all of those things, the promise of God to provide to Abraham and Sarah a son, an heir, even in their old age. Even when they tried to shortcut the promise of God and fulfill it on their own, God continued to remind them that he is faithful. And now, in Genesis 21, that is exactly what we see, the faithfulness of the Lord, because the Lord is faithful to keep his promises. This account be, begins with the Lord keeping his promise of providing an heir to Abraham and Sarah. Go back with me to verse one. The Lord visited Sarah and had, as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he promised, And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised uh, his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. It is important for us to remember as we move into chapter 21, because it's been a month since we have been in our series in Genesis, that this account comes right on the heels of another time that the scriptures remind us of Abraham's unfaithfulness, just as Abraham had done early in his time here in Genesis. He had lied about his relationship with his wife. He does that in both chapter 11 and again in chapter 20. Instead of trusting the Lord to provide for him and trusting the Lord to um, maintain his security and safety as Abraham moves his family into a new area, he lies, again, just as he did in Egypt about his relationship with his wife, calling her his sister. Genesis 20 is another low point in the story of Abraham, but Genesis 21 draws us not to abraham as a high point but as, but to the lord it isn't this isn't a story about abraham and sarah's faithfulness it is a story about the lord's faithfulness think back with me in this these 10 chapters that we've seen about abraham It all begins in Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. In a whole nother land, surrounded by pagan people, raised in a pagan household, God calls out this man and says, I will make you a great nation. Even at this point in Abraham's life, he is already well on in years. And yet the Lord promises him land and people, descendants. It all begins there. On multiple occasions throughout these chapters, the Lord reappears to Abraham and uh, reiterates his promise to him. One of them is in Genesis 13, where he specifically talks about the promise of an offspring. He says, I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. God says to Abraham, your line is going to be such that you would not even be able to number it. And yet Abraham and Sarah, his wife, were childless. And so the Lord finally, decades after this story has begun, comes to Sarah as he had said and does what he has promised and opens her womb and provides for a 100-year-old man and a 99-year-old wife, a long-awaited, much-promised child. And then we do see in verses 3, 4, and 5, Abraham, faithful to what the Lord had said. In a previous chapter, the Lord had told Abraham that he is to name his son Isaac, that he, is to sacri- that he is to circumcise his son. And so Abraham does exactly what the Lord has promised. This promise had been a long time coming. And just because it had been a long time coming doesn't mean that the Lord was tarrying in his faithfulness. The Lord's timing is not our timing. And as we have seen throughout the life of Abraham, he and Sarah would have wanted this to happen much sooner in their lives, just as we so often want the Lord to do something so desperately in our own life, our own church, our own society, that we would seek to force his hand, that we would want to make something happen. When all the Lord calls us to do is rely on his faithfulness, to trust in him to do what only he can do do the story continues in verses six and seven where we see sarah marvel at the faithfulness of the lord she says god has made laughter for me everyone who hears will laugh over me and she said who would have said to abraham that sarah would nurse children yet i have borne him a son in his old age now, when, he, when she says, God has made laughter for me, this is a joyful, not a mocking type laughter, which we've seen from Sarah before. This is a joyful laughter. This is the meaning of Isaac's name, laughter. And she even poses this question, who would have thought? Who would have thought that finally Sarah would nurse a child? Who would have thought that it would be said of Abraham, whose name means father, right? Who would have thought that this man whose name said father, but was not a father through his wife, Sarah, would finally nurse a child, that a son would be born to us at 199. Church family, we too should have moments where we marvel at the work of the Lord, where all we can do is laugh. All we can think about is just how incredible our God is in keeping his word and his promises to us. Genesis 18 records the previous moment where Sarah laughed. The Lord had said to Abraham, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now the Lord had visited Abraham in this moment in person that this is a manifestation of God, a bodily manifestation of God there visiting outside of the tent. And Sarah was listening inside the tent. Verse 10 tells us, and then Abraham and Sarah were old advanced in years. The way of women had ceased with Sarah. It was not going to happen in her mind. So what does she do? She laughed to herself saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, in the sovereignty of God, the all-knowing power of God, but you did laugh. You see, we, we recorded here in Scripture in chapter 18 and in chapter 21, two very different laughs of Sarah. One is a mocking laugh. One is a laugh of disbelief. God can't do that. I'm old. I'm not just old. I'm, I'm, I'm way past the time that this is possible for me. What this person is saying will happen is completely unrealistic for my stage of life. It's too late for me. And it causes her to laugh. And then the laugh that we see in 21, again, is, is this laugh of joy and and how in the world did God do this? It's interesting sometimes how the Lord provides illustrations for me. Some of you likely opened the connector this morning or the one that we emailed to you on Thursday because several of you texted and emailed me about it. And you saw the final total of uh, undesignated giving that was given in 2020 by this church and you laughed. If you haven't, you may want to Look, you, you laughed maybe for one of two. There's probably two different responses. One was Sarah's response in 18. Some of you may have looked at that number and seen that this church in the midst of pandemic gave the largest amount of money we have ever received, $1.6 million. $700,000 above our budget. And you may have laughed thinking that our staff had somehow made an error. Some of you are still thinking that right now. There is absolutely no way. Others of you, maybe, possibly after checking with me or one of our other elders to see, is that number right? Had the kind of laugh that I've had for the last couple of weeks. How in the world did the Lord do this? Just a laughter of joy. If people have talked to me about it, here's what I've said, I don't know. I don't know. We, we shouldn't have in any way expected something like that. Now, if you're watching with us online, I'd encourage you to stay on with us at the end of the service because I'm going to address this further. But it is, serves as a great illustration for us of how sometimes we look at what the Lord is doing and we think there is just no way or we just find joy in our hearts at the great faithfulness of our God. Number two. The Lord is faithful to hear and help those who call out to him. This section, this text really is divided into three sections. And this section concerns Abraham's, or Sarah's handmaid, who Abraham had uh, conceived a child with uh, several years before, Hagar and her son Ishmael, where they are then now that uh, an heir has been born to Sarah is cast out from the family. Look with me in verse eight, and as the child grew and was weaned, so that's about three years in Hebrew culture, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned, but Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian whom she had borne to Abraham laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named, and I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Now by this point in the story, Ishmael is in his early teen years, having grown up as the only child of Abraham, and he is now sent away with his mother into the wilderness. And this does not, it should not surprise us. We saw after that scheme that Sarah has cooked up for her to Conceive, for Hagar to conceive a child uh, with Abraham, there became great enmity within the family between these two. This is the second time she is going to leave the camp. This is the second time she's going to be near death in the, in the wilderness. And this bothers Abraham. You'll notice it says it bothers him because of his son. Abraham had grown fond of his son. This had been for quite some years his only son. And yet God reminds Abraham. Of his promise to him. So even after we see the faithfulness of the Lord in these previous verses, old wounds of unfaithfulness still remain. We shouldn't think that because the Lord acts in his faithfulness that we're still not going to reap the consequences of previous unfaithfulness in our lives, which is exactly what this is. Abraham and Sarah had sought a shortcut and it, they were still paying for it to this day. So in this great high of faithfulness of the Lord, we're reminded quickly again of just how unfaithful we so often are. But God's faithfulness remains. And so the Lord hears the cry of Hagar and Ishmael and comes to their aid. Pick up in verse 15. When the water and the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot, for she said, Let me not look on the death of my child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. Can you imagine just the heartache of Hagar in this moment? And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. You see, it's not only in Isaac in chapter 21 of Genesis do we see the faithfulness of the Lord, but it is even in the life of Hagar, this Egyptian servant of Sarah and the child of Abraham and Hagar, Ishmael, That we see God faithfully working. Hagar and the boy cry out. The water's gone. There is nothing left. She puts him in the shelter of a bush. Imagine hot, dry, weary land. And and so she does the best she can to care for her son in this hot sun. And she goes the bow shot away and thinks, This is the end. My son will die. This is the end. You may very well this morning more find yourself in the place of Hagar and Ishmael than you do Abraham and Sarah. You may hear this text today and say, I don't feel very much like Abraham and Sarah, but I do feel like Hagar and Ishmael. You may feel this morning like all is lost. You may feel this morning like you have no hope left. You may feel right now as if all around you have abandoned you and all you have left to do is find a shady spot to sit and die. If that's the case for you this morning, if you're not laughing like Sarah laughed, if you're not celebrating like Abraham celebrated, but you are in agony and pain like Hagar and Ishmael were, then do exactly what she did. Cry out and the Lord will hear you. This is the promise of scripture concerning our faithful God. He hears those who cry out to him. Psalm 34 accounts this for us so well. We read, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit listen to me, church, it's okay this morning if you feel your Hagar. Maybe you're watching with us online and the, the last option you had was just to turn on a church service in hopes that somebody would say something encouraging to you today. Because that's what you need. Because life has beaten you down and the state of the things around us have just broken your spirit and you feel like you cannot go on any further. Oh, hear me, friend. Cry out to God today because he hears you. You may not feel like he hears you. You may not feel like you're an Abraham or Sarah who the Lord just continually blesses. But hear me. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And he will hear your cry today if you will but cry out to him because the faithfulness of our Lord is not just for the Abraham and Sarahs of the world. It is also for those wandering in the wilderness, cast out by everyone else, forgotten by the world. God will hear your cry today and be just as faithful to you. And that's what the Lord does. The Lord hears He shows provision in that well and then he keeps his promise of blessing and provision for Ishmael. Look at verses 20 and 21. And God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow and he lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. You see, the Lord had promised in verses uh, verses 12 and 13 that he would take care of the boy. He promised that because he was also of the seed of Abraham, that he would bless him and make him into a great nation. But that was not the first time we heard that promise. You see, the first time Hagar was kicked out of the camp is in Genesis 16. She again then is in the wilderness with child at this point. And the Lord hears her cry then in Genesis 16, all those years before. And verse seven tells us, the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to shore. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. You see, God had promised that he would bless Ishmael and he kept his promise. Now, hear me clearly. The promise of God to Ishmael is not the same as the promise to Isaac the descendants of Ishmael are not those who are truly following God today. It is those who believe through the sacrifice of Jesus in the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who are those that are following God. But nonetheless, this account remains for us today so that we can see just how faithful God is both within the camp and outside to those who call upon his name. Third, the faithfulness of the Lord is seen by outsiders. Verses 22 through 34 move on to a new account, something different, something that maybe in your Bible reading plan you've read through and just skimmed over really quick because it seemed kind of strange. It's some guys um, arguing about a well a little bit and they do some ancient customs and then all of a sudden things are good. But there's There's message here, and it's the same message that we've seen already in the first two points about the faithfulness of the Lord, but here it's the faithfulness of the Lord as seen from those outside. People take notice that God is at work in the life of Abraham. His reputation is restored before Abimelech because of the faithfulness of the Lord. Look into 22 through 24. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my posterity, but as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me and with the land where you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I swear. Abimelech's view of Abraham has certainly changed since their encounter four years early recorded in Genesis 20. But what has changed? Surely Abraham has lived in that land now some time. Abimelech was able to see the, the character of, of Abraham and to see the blessing of the Lord on Abraham. But surely the thing that has changed the most is 100-year-old Abraham and 99-year-old Sarah have just weaned their biological child. And surely the most powerful man in that land recognizes exactly what he confesses to be true in verse 22. God is with you in all you do. There even seems to be so much respect now from Abimelech to Abraham because not of Abraham, but because of the faithfulness of the Lord towards Abraham that now some fear has even crept in. Abimelech recognizes Something is different about this guy and it has nothing to do with his own ingenuity and his own creativity and his own power. It is because God is with him. Outsiders will see the faithfulness of God in the life of his followers if we will but demonstrate it to them. If we will show them in joy just how faithful our God is to us, others will take notice of it. Then comes, Abraham says, I'll do exactly what you're asking here, Abimelech. This relationship restored, but then Abraham mentions something to them, which causes them to then make an oath, demonstrating the Lord's faithfulness, provide a land for Abraham's descendants. Pick up in verse 25, when Abraham reproved Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seen. So Abraham had dug a well. And in, in this conversation, uh, Abraham says, yeah, I'm going to do that, but we need to do something about this well, because your guys took it from me. Abimelech said, I, do not know what ha- I did not know who has done this thing. You didn't tell me, and I have not heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a covenant. Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock apart. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have s- set apart? He said, these seven ewe lambs, uh, you will take from my hand, and this may be a witness for me that I dug this well. Therefore, the place was called Beersheba, because there both of them swore an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called uh, there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. So what does this have to do with the faithfulness of the Lord? This just seems like two men arguing over a well, and one recognizing that that he's one saying he dug it, and the other recognizing he's probably right, and then exchanging some goods and making a promise together. But if we take into account what God has promised and what God is doing, this is further evidence of the faithfulness of the Lord. Go back with me in your minds to Genesis 13 where Abraham's um, possessions grow so large and his nephew Lot, who's still with him, possessions grow so large that there becomes conflict between them and they need to divide. And Abraham allows Lot to pick any land that he wants. And Lot goes into the Jordan River Valley, the best land. And Abraham's left with what's left And God leads Abraham up onto a high place to see all the land after dividing with Lot. And this is what we read. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. Do you know historically what marks the southern border of Israel? Abraham's well in Beersheba. Abraham's well in Beersheba that was that southernmost part that God is speaking of in Genesis 13. And here's what Abraham does here in 21. He secures the southern end of the promised land of God. Because God was not only faithful to give him a son in Isaac, but he was also faithful to keep his promise to give his descendants a land that would be the promised land of Of God. God keeps two promises here in Genesis 21. A son and a land for this great nation. So what? How do I recognize and display the faithfulness of the Lord in my life? As we read these three accounts of the faithfulness of God, one to give Sarah and Abraham in their old age a promised child, and the second, his faithfulness to Hagar and Ishmael cast out from the camp who cry out to God and God hears them. And then third, for him to establish this southern border of the land in his dealings with Abimelech. We're reminded about the faithfulness of God. But make note, church, the ultimate faithfulness of God's promise to Abraham is not Isaac. The ultimate uh, fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham is not a well or a land. You see, the ultimate fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham is Jesus Christ. His greatest fulfillment to the promise of Abraham is Jesus. And his greatest fulfillment of all of his promises to us is also Jesus. Now, you may feel like Hagar today crying out in the wilderness You may feel like chapter 18, Sarah, who laughed and didn't believe the Lord in his promises. You may feel beat down, overcome, broken by this world, but know this. The Lord has shown his ultimate faithfulness to you in Jesus Christ. Let me just, I recognize the personal nature of a story like this. Because there are people possibly in this room maybe watching with us online that have cried out to God for years for a child. Cried to God. As Sarah likely did on her knees year after year. Here's what I can't promise you. I can't promise you that God is going to answer your prayer in the same way that he answered Sarah's. I cannot promise you that the Lord will demonstrate his faithfulness to you in that way. And If that's not you, but it's something else that you've been crying out to God for for years, and you say, where is the faithfulness of God in my life? When is God going to answer this? Know something. If we have a right understanding of the teachings of Scripture, here's what we know. The ultimate faithfulness of God is in Jesus. It's bigger than all of that. It's bigger than any need we could have in this world because Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the promises, both to Abraham and to us, And when we recognize that, we are then able, as Abraham does with Abimelech, to display the faithfulness of God so that other people can see it. In Hebrews 10, that New Testament Testament author encourages the church. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Oh, church, we serve a faithful God. You may not see it right now. You may be skeptical right now. You, you may look in your life and say, I just don't know about that right now, preacher. But hear me on this. If you'll cling to Jesus, if you'll do what the author of Hebrews says, hold fast to the confession of our hope. Remember, hope is that thing we haven't yet grabbed hold of, but we know is true. You'll hold fast to that confession of the hope without wavering because he is faithful. God has been faithful to you today. Unbeliever, hear me. God is faithful to you as well. If you will but cry out to him as Hagar and Ishmael did in the wilderness, he will hear your cry, bring you into his family through the power of Jesus Christ, which alone can save because Jesus died for you so that you might be saved. You come to him in faith today. Will you trust in him as your Lord today? Recognizing this, you can't do it on your own. But as the ultimate fulfillment of his promise in scripture, he gave Jesus so that you would not have to. Who lived the perfect life for you and died a sinner's death for you so that if you will come to him in faith, he will forgive your sins and you then can hold fast to the same hope That the rest of the church holds to so dearly. Could we pray together? Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness in my unfaithfulness. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness when your church doesn't do always what she should do. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness in our good moments like with Abraham and Sarah, but also in our bad moments when we cry out in despair. And thank you, God, that your faithfulness is on display in our lives and in our church to a world that is watching. Let us demonstrate it to them so they too can know of our great God. We ask this in Christ's name, amen.